0: you locked in chains, didn't ease my pain, left me feeling ashamed, out in the rain, can't explain the pain, how I stay sane, don't like the game, will it ever change? Everyone, I am Dr. Tommy Watson. Welcome to Resilient Stories Podcast, where we share the, the grit and glory behind the stories of amazing people like you who have bounced back from failure and adversity to go and live their best lives. Today's show is being sponsored by Million Dollar Business Pathway, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and to sell. Want to learn how to tell and sell your story? Go to tawatson.com under the Programs and Products link and click on Million Dollar Business Pathways to get yourself started. Are you guys ready for another amazing uh, show today? Joining me, I have Miss Rose McGee, my good friend. Miss Rose McGee, how are
1: you? I'm well, very well actually, thank you. She is
0: known as the sweet potato lady, sweet potato <laughs> pie lady,
1: right? <laughs> well, that's what some say, that's what some say. <laughs> awesome, well, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Rose. Well, um, Dr. Dr. Inspiration, Dr. Motivator, <laughs> all of those doctors that you are, I am um, so honored to be on this show with you because I've known you for a long time. You used yes. to come and speak to my students when I was doing um, um, a professor over at Metropolitan uh, State yes. University here in the Twin Cities, and you just always left them uplifted. Um, actually, you did and I've mentioned this to you on many occasions, inspired me because during that time, I was just struggling with what is it that I really wanna do myself, mm-hmm. even at my age. And I'm listening to you young people, just you know, really seeming to know what to do. And I'm thinking, wait a minute now, uh, surely there's something in there that I can learn from this. But today I um, am amazed really that a sweet potato pie yes. of all things has um, brought me where I am right now. Uh, So yeah, I'm Rose McGee. I live in Golden Valley, Minnesota, and I am founder of Sweet Potato Comfort Pie. Wow. Sweet Potato Comfort Pie. And let me tell you
0: folks, those pies are absolutely amazing. (laughs) Amazing. So Rose, before we get started, if people wanna reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: We have um, a wonderful website, sweetpotatocomfortpie.org. And that's the best way, probably. We have a great Facebook following and Sweet Potato Comfort Pie. That's our Facebook page. So those are the probably the best things. Now, you know what? I got to tell you. There's this Twitter thing, this Instagram thing, <laughs> and uh, the young lady who who works with me is like, okay, can you check that stuff because I. Don't know.
0: <laughs> so you're working on the social media piece, right? I am. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Well, I'm glad to see you guys are out there at least on the platforms where people mm. get a hold of you, though. But but again, folks, if you guys are looking for a great inspirational story, Rose McGee's story how she's going out and bringing comfort to—I mean, she's been she's been in the news. She's been in the newspaper. She's been all across the the country being showcased with the work that she's doing with Sweet Potato Comfort pie. So I appreciate that. So Rose, as you know, this podcast is about really trying to take people into the the inner grits, to have people share their stories um, about some of the hard times they face in life. And then for our listening audience to be able to hear about those hard times and then how those individuals have gone on to overcome it. So again, I appreciate your willingness to come on and share your story. So I wanna open up with our first question that is, um, what, what's been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome personally and professionally?
1: <clears throat> yes, you know, there've been several and many of us who are certainly of color and being women too, um, I can think of many, but I'd say um, after my husband passed away, I was really just as many people would be when they've lost a spouse, yes. just still you know traumatized by that and sure. what to do. But then came the possibility of losing my home. So the first thing I wanna say to people is, as best you can get in a position where you can hang on to your assets and create a a, a way of having it. And we weren't prepared uh, for that. And I am a woman of strong faith. And I just said, okay, God's got this. He's gonna bring me through it. And he did, praise God. But it was a fight, I tell you. I was actually in foreclosure because what happened was I lost my job. Um, All of a sudden um, I'm laid off from my position. And that's another thing that we have to deal with too is the politics of nonsense. There was no real reason to have lost my job, but that's a whole nother matter of conversation one day. And yet I did because of a change in leadership. Mm -hmm. And so now here I am without a position and I contacted the, a mortgage company to say, Look, I don't have money to pay for my mortgage. And they said, Well, there's nothing we can do until you're about two or three months behind. Well, fast forwarding, um, I told them, Okay, uh, I don't have a job yet. Now what? And they said, Well, we will try and work with you. You're going to have to fill out these applications, you know, for hardship and blah, 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 blah. Well, anyhow, we're moving along and I knew I'd get work. I just didn't know when. And I found myself faced now with foreclosure. Wow. And this is what happened. <clears throat> um, the bank named it. I mean, the bank, it turns out, what happened to me was referred to as dual tracking. Wow. It's meant on one way, they said they were working with me. But then what they ended up doing was selling the house right out from under me. Wow, so really? Not wow. knowing that my home had been sold, I called one day and said, you know, nobody's been getting back to me. I've been sitting in all these applications. And the woman on the other end said, well, don't you know that your house has been sold? Really? Wow. What are you talking about? And I was working with several community organizations trying to figure out how to get through this thing. But I'll never forget, I called Dave uh, Snyder, who was with Jewish Community Action and said, Dave, This is devastating i don't know what's happening here i mean we've been sending in all of the paperwork that they're requesting and he said rose what's happened is referred to as dual tracking and this is what they do with people all over the place and california has now made it illegal for dual tracking to happen Uh question i have for you is do you want to fight i was so upset i said hell yeah i want to fight yeah. And I was I was at work. I had to step <clears throat> outside and just, you know, get my my air for a moment when I was having this conversation with him. And then um, he came up with a plan uh, that I needed to follow. So that would take months as we went through this thing five times in court. Wow. And eventually and two trips, by the way, to D.C. And um, I was quite. You know frank and transparent about my situation and so people started asking me to speak mm-hmm. about it and i spoke more and more about it and people mm-hmm. saw me as a leader for them to make their own fights i remember one time you know coming through the airport one night as you and i both have this work that we do in omaha nebraska i'll never forget coming through the airport one night from there and a woman was calling my name in the minneapolis airport And I turned around, I didn't quite recognize her. And she came up and said, Rose, I've been seeing you a lot on television. I just want to say thank you for fighting. I wish I had known how to fight two years ago, but I lost my home. And I'm so glad that Mm -hmm. you're fighting. And so I did and praise God for the folk who came into my life at the time that they needed to. And um, what happened was I did get my home. I never moved out of it. And unanimously, the legislators, Minnesota legislators passed the bill wow. that made what happened to me illegal as well as some other things in this whole package called the Homeowners Bill of Rights from Minnesota. And this was one piece of it, lots of other things in there. Wow. And uh, when do you have a house that votes on anything unanimously, right? But it was truly amazing that they did. And I just am so thankful for having had the um, strength from God to do it and the support. Yes,
0: Yes, absolutely. And that is an amazing story. And again, thank you for your willingness to share and be transparent with this as well. Um, And your willingness to fight, though. fight um, A fight that, like the lady said in the airport, many have been convinced to give up. You kept fighting, though. Um, You know, we often hear about individuals being in, in such uh, situations like this with their house and uh, the banks and they're feeling that, that they can't fight the banks and what have you, you know. Um, we don't necessarily often hear about the emotions and the feelings that they were enduring when they were going through this process. So talk to us a little about what, what emotions and feelings were you kind of going through as you were, as you heard those folks say they sold your house.
1: What, what, did, you, what did you feel when you heard that? I mean, after all, I'm trying to do what they've told me to do, right? Mm -hmm. Send in this paperwork. Every time I turn around, send in this, send in that. And that what they would do was switch people on you. You're going down this trail and the person that you're working with, all of a sudden that person's not the person anymore. And that's what happened that day because they were supposed to have been getting back to me. I'm not hearing from anybody. I'm calling and I can't get so-and-so to respond. And finally, this person answers. And I'm like, well, where is, you know, Susie Q? Yeah. What, um, I'm sorry. Um, that person's no longer assigned in this department. It was always that they're not in this division anymore. They're not this or whatever. And um, here I am now with this person who knew and, and I'm sure is part of the setup. I wonder how people who are in, the, in that line of work feel. That's what I wonder. And she knew good full and well what the situation was and she's the one who has to maintain her calm when I'm on the other end. Like, what do you mean you've sold my house? Nobody yes. notified me that my house had been sold. Yes. And she says, well, ma'am, this is who you should call. So she gives me this number of a Minnesota number to call. I'm like, wait a minute, I need to talk to somebody. Well, ma'am, I'm sorry. Please have a good day. And she's gone. Wow. That's it. Wow. And from then on, you can't reach anybody. That's it. Wow. So it's, 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 you talk about feeling dismissed um, and feeling just totally like what? And I have to tell you, if it were not for my faith. Yes. Uh, that's all I can say. Um, and, and I just have to sit back and, and, and sometimes even now it's like huh, that old song, how I got over. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and and that's just over that one hurdle because there are constantly something, you know, as soon as one thing goes, there's something else. But one of the most beautiful things that happened along the way, my daughter's a pastor. She would leave on my door every morning on a post-it note, a scripture. Wow every morning and it would be something positive about that scripture Wow! and I have a whole bag of them now that are <clears> in my <throat> office I just put them all in a bag and, and I keep mm-hmm. them there but every day she was leaving me one of those just to remind me and there would be times when I would feel like I don't understand what's going on here yes. and yet there'd be other times when I'm like I got this and I can remember somebody saying oh, don't you think you should start looking for another place this was a friend and I said, no. <laughs> yes. And they said, but you know, you're gonna have to move out because it's quite a process that they take you through. There's also one more, one period where they'll offer you some money. Um, it's a nice little chunk of money to get you out of there so that you can now go and, you know, maybe find yourself something else, an apartment for a month or two is what sure. it would be. Um, <clears throat> and I said, no, no. I'm not gonna move, I'll be right here in my home and I know it. And so my faith was challenged. Yes. And my patience was challenged. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And someone left a Molotov cocktail outside my driveway during the process. Wow, really? Yes. And that's when a whole nother level of community support stepped in. It was one night about, actually it was on um, the same night that the guy who killed the folks uh, in the movie theater in Colorado.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was that same evening. And um, about 1030 at night, my daughter was coming home and she saw this thing out there and she says, what is that outside our house? And I looked out and I thought, oh my God. And I called police, they came. Fortunately, it didn't you know, explode. Yes. It fizzled down before it got to uh, the container of, um, of kerosene. Yeah, and it, whoever placed it, they were smart enough not to put it on my property okay. because what I learned later was then it would have been treated like a federal hate crime. Wow. But by being <clears throat> right in the street at the base of my property um, made it seem like it was just something random that was happening here and happening there. Yeah. So, um you know, that's that's a very unsettling feeling as well. Yes, it is. And you know what? Um, again, uh, kudos to you
0: for not being injured in that um, and being here to share your story today as well. You know, I keep hearing your story. I keep hearing you're fighting the big bank, the big institutions. How does Little Rose fight this big institution? You know, so I hear um, Pastor Rosin giving you some words of encouragement. That was phenomenal. Um, was there any other... Um, coping mechanisms that you turn to during this process to kind of help get you through?
1: Well, yeah, I I kept busy. I was really thankful Mm -hmm. to have had a job. Like I said, I knew the Lord was going to put me in a position to be employed Mm -hmm. and he did. And that's when, you know, I was thankful to acquire the position that I did at Minnesota Humanities. And Mm -hmm. I was just um, very appreciative of that. But what I started noticing you know, when you go through something like this, you start seeing the statistics mm. and you start seeing the disparities. Yes, And people over 55, um, black women being the highest. Really? Uh, yeah, this wow. whole thing around um, predatory lending uh-huh. is what was happening during all of this. And it was just um, just amazing how tacky it all was. But one thing of inspiration, I met a woman who was an elderly woman, Mama Elsie. Hmm. She's since passed on, indigenous woman, Umaha. And I met her during this time. And she started seeing me on television, and, and you know, there were some national things happening, and she was catching up on some of that. And one time I went to visit her. And she said, Rose, I just want you to know how proud I am of you. You're fighting, you're fighting. And I told her, I said, I don't know if you've heard me say, Mama Elsie, but this has been kind of um, odd. Here I am fighting for land that was taken away from people like you. Yes. And I'm out here claiming it and claiming it. And she said, Yeah, but you were stolen and brought here. Yeah. And you had to build this land. Yes. And she put in my hand a bracelet and cause she knew I like to wear bracelets and things all the time. And it had, um, it was like a coin and it had an Eagle on it and she placed it in my hand and she said, you just remember, you've got the strength of an Eagle. Wow. And you keep fighting. Wow. Like an Eagle. And she said, you wear it. And I did. And what I did with that bracelet though, it's just how I am. I I don't think anything is only mine. There was a young African-American woman who was really struggling with something. And I remember one day sitting with her, listening to her story. I said, I want you to take this bracelet and wear it for a little while. And then you bring it back to me. And she put it on and she said, as soon as she put it on she just felt a different energy. And she brought it back, but just people like that, you know, who you meet along the way yes. and yeah,
0: that, that, that is phenomenal. <clears throat> and, you know, you can't get through a situation like this without mentors and advisors. Did you have anyone else guiding you through this process, giving you words of encouragement or words of advice to um, make it
1: through it practically and also keep your spirits uplifted as well? Well, i tell you what got me there. You know, some things happen to you and you don't even know where you're going with it. But I'll never forget the woman who kind of put me in the position in the beginning. And that's the thing about us. Sometimes we forget the promise that's already been made because we get distracted by the mess that we're in. And then we forget, (laughs) wait a minute, I already told you I was going to bring you through this. Yes. When my husband passed away, um, I had gone... I'd taken a group of young people to a conference where they were performing in Nashville, Tennessee. And we were on the campus of Fisk University. Mm -hmm. And this lady was a part of the tour when we got to this, um, this, this museum. And she learned, she was an elderly lady, but she volunteered coming there to help guide tours. So she came out and she said, I understand you all are from, from Minnesota. And I said, yes, we are. And she says, well, my husband and I used to come to Minnesota every summer. We, we had a little place there where we um, would come and, and he loved to fish and we spent the summer there. And so she talked about it a little bit and she said, I don't go there anymore because there's no purpose for me to. Mm. And uh, she talked about that. And she looked a little sad as she spoke of him. I said, well, I fully understand because I just lost my husband. Mm -hmm. My husband had died in November. And this was um, in December, really, towards mid-December. And I just felt I'm going to go anyway on this trip with these kids, even though. And it, it really did help energize me. And then I realized I was supposed to go there. I was supposed to meet her. Yes. And she said to me, oh, my goodness. Well, I hope you're all right. I said, well, I'm really, you know, tough financial strain, going to try and get this house sold. And she said, stop. Mm. <laughs> said, huh? she said, Mm-mm. don't make any major decisions for at least a year. Wow. He said two, if you possibly can, but don't make any major decisions within a year. And I said, but I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to stay in this house. She said, Gotta take care of you. Wow. I always think of her and I can see her face just as clearly saying that. And mm-hmm. I knew that was preparing me for what was to come. Yes. Which I had no idea it was coming. <laughs> wow. That, that, yeah. that is phenomenal,
0: phenomenal story. <clears throat> Thank God for um people like that um crossing our paths as well. Absolutely. So as as you were in the midst of this thing, Rose fighting what was it that was keeping you motivated to keep fighting? Why didn't you just give up, take the check and go on and start all over again? What what kept you motivated to keep going?
1: I don't know. I just know that something said, keep on fighting, keep on going. And I think um, another thing too, I was noticing the number of people who were rallying around this. Yes. um, And the folk who were losing their homes, who now felt they had Uh, an opportunity to speak. And it did work. A lot of people were able to save their homes. Many of them got their homes saved before I did. It was set up in a sense where it seemed like I was going to fail. Because I remember, like I said, I went to court five times. Mm. And um, one time, I remember um, how humiliating the attorney was in front of the judge Wow. making it sound as though I didn't want to pay my rent. I was just there to, oh, it was just disgusting. Fortunately, the judge sort of shut him up, you know, uh-huh. he, he was the attorney representing um, um, the the organization, because <laughs> uh-huh. it's really not the bank. <clears throat> the bank is just, you know, it's like they're the keeper of whatever it is, but it's the big organizations that um, are big government agencies and whoever they are that happens to be the one that really holds the money. They're the Mm -hmm. ones who, but they contract these banks to come in to the one to, And that's why we, I I guess we see the change. If you have a mortgage, uh, one, you may be going down the trail with the mortgage company here and next thing you know, it's been switched over to somebody else and then it's been switched over to somebody else. It's such a, such a racket.
0: Yeah, and and a game, unfortunately, that you know many of us, and when you're not aware of it, you get kind of played in the game, caught up in the game as well. So when you look back on this experience, how did this experience change as a person? <clears throat> we see the we see the emergence of a sweet sweet potato
1: comfort pie.
0: How did this? Yeah, change? and I think that's
1: why, uh, because years ago I used to sell sweet potato pies hmm. at markets and things. And um, it was so funny because I wasn't making any money. It seemed like I was, Uh but I really wasn't when you look at um, the amount of time, the amount, the cost for quality ingredients. Yes. So here I am every year sitting down with, uh, uh, you know the person who did my taxes and she nicknamed me a pie philanthropist (laughs) she said you know all you're doing is just giving away because she says you're not making any money here you see that right and i said yeah so i finally decided to stop selling the pies uh, as much as i enjoyed the people who wanted them and that's when i discovered that people were so persnickety about the sweet potato pie to them if, if, if my mama didn't make this pie, I don't want to go. <laughs> my grandmother or whoever is endearing. Uh-huh. And then to finally see some people taste it and go, oh, okay. I guess, I guess it's all right. It tastes These like my mama's, pie. right? It tastes it like my mama's and right. grandmama's, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there when Ferguson was happening, you know, after young Michael mm-hmm. Brown had been killed. I was watching that and looking at the frustration on the faces of people who look like us and people who were angry. They were, you know, they were, the protests started but then eventually it rolled out into, um, you know, the riots. So what I did was um, I'm sitting there thinking I, I, I feel compelled to do something, but I don't know what. I'm sitting right there on my couch watching this news and then this voice said to me, make some pies and take them down. Wow! And honestly, I'm like, uh, what, what, what? <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't like oh. some voice that you hear booming, but you know, I heard it and it, it entered into my soul, yes. into my spirit. And I, I got up and I went into the kitchen and I just stood in the center of my floor, which since then I've done several times. And I just sort of, walked around in circles there for a while to understand the clarity of that. Yes. And when I got it, I realized, all right. So I responded to the call and I ended up taking about 30 pies down. Wow. And by the time I got there, that whole initial protest had stopped and it was so still out there at the the memorial site of Michael Brown. It was like, just this eerie quietness. And very few people were out there that day. The ones who were, were people like me who had come from other parts of the country for the most part, um, because that's what people do. They come from all over when they are supporting something. But there was a young girl standing there and she was just fussing and arguing, arguing with Michael for being out that day. You should have been at home. You shouldn't have been out here. Just. And I went over to her just as cute as she could be. Her name was mm-hmm. Brittany. And I said to her who I was and I said, did you know, Michael? And she said, yeah, he lived right there. Right behind us were the projects where, you know, his grandmother lived and he lived. And she told me about that. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I brought pie, sweet potato pie. Would you like one? And she looked at me like, what? Uh huh. <laughs> and I, um, gave her the box and she opened it and the aroma came out and she was just, you know, so pleasantly surprised at how pretty the pie was and how great it smelled. And she said, you're giving this to me, a sweet potato pie? Wow. And there were these young men that I hadn't even been paying attention to. <clears throat> but they were from North Carolina and they were videotaping things and they were videotaping me. Wow. And they said to her, she's from Minnesota (laughs) because they had already asked me earlier because they saw me at the site and they Uh just were interviewing people right so they came over and said she's from Minnesota and she came and she brought all these sweet potato pies and uh, the young lady took the pie and a few days later she sent a note saying how how delicious it was and how well it had been but that was the first person right there at the site that I gave the pie to and It was just so many amazing stories from different people there, from different people that I just felt the Lord led me to speak to and ask them if they'd like a pie. And what I discovered was people just wanted to talk Mm. and they wanted to be listened to. So on the way home, my son had gone down with me and um, we talked about it, Mm. prayed about it, Mm -hmm. cried about it. And I came on back here to Golden Valley and I called my mayor, Shep Harris, and I said, we got to do something. Golden Valley is a first ring suburb of North Minneapolis and so much happens over there. Yet so much is happening right here in Golden Valley. And we need to become proactive. And so he thought that was a good idea. We invited a few people right here to my home in my living room. And that's how we came up with the concept of over Martin Luther King holiday weekend, we would bake pies. Volunteers would come in, make the pies. And we began over there at Calvary Lutheran Church right up the street there in Golden Valley. And we made the number of pies that Dr. King's age would have been. Wow. And that year it would have been 86. And here we are now in 2021 and Dr. King's age being 92. So this year we uh, made 92 pies. Wow! And um, we had the honor of sharing these pies with people all over. It's the first time we've been able to think of it more global. But that's the only one good thing I can say about COVID. It's forced us to do these, um, you know, virtual meetings so people can come from all over. But it's just been remarkable how people have gravitated toward the concept of this as a healing practice. See, the other thing that we do, uh, as I tell people, we're we're more than just a pretty pie. We also convene conversations in story circle where people come and they talk about race, they learn from each other. And the second thing they do is they talk about who they'd like to gift the pie to. And then among themselves, they select all right, you know what, Dr. Watson? That story you just told about how you were so resilient. You should get the pie. Yeah. And so that's how those pies go out into the community. Wow, that, that is absolutely phenomenal, Rose. And
0: um, I can't, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here uh, gleaming because I remember 11 years ago uh, when you first lost your position and I asked the question of you, I said, what's next? You yeah. didn't quite know. Neither one of us quite knew, right? Well, run a time though to now see you walking in your purpose and making an impact globally, it just warms my heart. I just get all warm and fuzzy inside. I'm just so thankful that I know you and I've been able to watch you on this journey. It's been amazing. You've been showcasing all these different platforms and it's well-deserved. You know, as you look back on this journey, uh, would you do anything differently?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't even know I was doing anything. And I I say that in all honesty, because I didn't, um, you know, people will ask, well, um, have you been cooking for a long? No, I don't even like to cook. I um, just, that sweet potato pie called me years ago before I even realized what was happening. And I can remember I was living in Denver, actually. And I called my grandmother who was in Tennessee because my great grandmother by then had passed away. And I said, I want to make a sweet potato pie and I want to make a blackberry cobbler and I don't know how to make either tell me how to make them and of course you know there's no recipe it's all up in their head yes and so um I went ahead and uh listened to what she told me I botched them both up I really botched up the blackberry cobbler <laughs> and then I tried again another time and really still botched up the blackberry cobbler <laughs> But did pretty well with the sweet potato pie and uh, continued and finally, you know, got that down pretty well, I guess, because, you know, people will always ask you to bring something whenever you're going somewhere. So people would ask for my potato salad and my sweet potato pie. Bring that, Rose. Bring that. So way back then, you know, is when it was starting to happen and I didn't even know it. Wow. But um, it, it has been a remarkable journey with this pie because the more research I started doing on it, I realized, wow, it's been right there in the middle of our culture. And that's why yes. I call it the sacred dessert of black culture. Yes, I love that. I love that.
0: <laughs> yes, it, it, it really is one of, one of my favorites. One of my favorites, I could eat them all day long, just like, <laughs> like nobody's business, man. I mean, I'd, I'd be in trouble if I had too many of them around me though. <laughs> but you know, Rose, we're coming off of a tough year where we've had folks who have lost loved ones homes, jobs, and stuff like that. What type of encouragement, what type of words of encouragement can you provide those folks with to have them keep fighting the good fight to overcome any obstacles that they're facing right now? Talk to those folks out there, please.
1: Yeah, it's important (laughs) to really, I I have my faith Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I don't know what everyone leans on and it may not necessarily be the same faith as mine, but if there is a positive spiritual aspect in, of, of, of connecting, I strongly encourage that. It's important to listen to positive, positive messages. It's important to spend your time focusing on positive things because if you allow yourself to be con- become consumed yes. in this negativity, you will mm-hmm. start feeling miserable. It can make you physically ill and mm-hmm. definitely can work with you emotionally. So I would say, think about eating healthier. That's one thing. As I talk about the sweet potato pie, yeah, the sweet potato pie definitely is comforting, but you can't eat it every day. But we know that we always have to have things special Mm. to us in some way, whatever that happens to be. And for us um, as as African-American people, we are so consumed with the wrong kinds of things on a heavy full basis that goes into our systems. And right now it's time to be clear of what's happening. So as clear as we can be, let's be that. So that's one of the things that I really do promote. I really have to say that um, with COVID and then after the murder of Mr. George Floyd, I was wondering how in the world am I gonna, what, what am I supposed to do now? Sure. Because when, when COVID first happened, I started baking pies. I made a bunch of pies and I sat them out on my front porch twice. I did that. And I said, all right, if you know first responders, you may come and pick these up. Mm-hmm. And I had rubber gloves mm-hmm. and I had the pies in, in plastic bags for people to come and get the pies and take them out. And then after the murder of George Floyd, I'm sitting here going, whoa, I don't know. And people are calling and emailing. Isn't it time to make some pies? I I don't know, make some pies and do what? I don't know what to do. And the curfew hit that Saturday and I knew good full and well, some of the young people that I know and care for were not gonna be in curfew. So I decided to stay up all night, fully dressed, whatever I needed to do, I would be ready. It was hard sitting up all night. 4.30, I went to sleep, woke up about seven, so okay. I got to do something to stay awake tonight. And about about noon, I realized, oh, I can make some pies tonight. Mm. And then I can sit them out tomorrow and people can come pick them up. And about five o'clock, I thought, wait a minute. People can make some pies too. Ah. (laughs) And that's when it started, the whole national thing on a big level. I went online and said, tonight, I'm going to make pies at eight o'clock. Go here, get the recipe, get your ingredients and meet me. And I went online on Facebook Live and there they were. Wow. And then we started making pies and you know, going through it. And people, uh, I said, okay, come back in two hours and let's see your pie. And they did. And then I put a thing out saying, all right, tomorrow, I mean, stuff was just coming to me. Tomorrow we're gonna um, take these pies up to the George Floyd Memorial and we'll give them to people. And if you want to join me, meet me outside my house at 6 o'clock. Well, surprisingly, I looked outside my house and there was a, a string of cars. Wow, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. And we went to two sites. Some people just met at one site and some met at the other. One was at the George Floyd Memorial. And then the second one, we drove over to North Minneapolis um, at Shiloh um, International Ministries where the NACP headquarters was set up, and they were having outdoor events framed in, fenced in, so they wouldn't be considered breaking curfew. Sure. So that's what we did. We took them to both those sites, and that's when we got picked up, um, uh, CNN and some others, and it ended up being in the Huffington Post, and NBC Nightly News did an incredible feature, and that's what you may have just heard about recently, because they featured um, Sweet Potato Comfort Pie story is one of the top stories of the year of 2020. Wow. And so did Washington Post um, has what's called the Lily edition and they featured Sweet Potato Comfort Pie as one of, well, is one of the top five women in 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 um, in the country for the year from, from, from awesome. their perspective. One mm. of the things, so many news uh, stories were coming out but one that that I said, "Oh, my my father is smiling down now." Reader's Digest mm. <laughs> contacted me back in the summer, and they wanted to feature me in their October issue. And when the young lady called and we were being, I was being interviewed, I said, "My dad used to keep a stack of Reader's Digests on the floor, a stack of Jet magazines, and you know, whenever anybody comes over, you're sitting there." You <laughs> just pick up a magazine and Reader's Digest is one of them. So here uh, I am going to be in Reader's Digest.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. That had to be a glorious moment for him, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, Rose, as you're talking about that, I think for the listeners, um, the, the takeaway is that you can take your pain and turn it into purpose and your purpose, a simple thing such as making a sweet potato pie <laughs> has gone global. And been amazing in terms of helping and heal many communities around the country during some very trying times. You know, so folks, if you're out there, Sweet Potato Comfort Pie, you got to get out there and support uh, Rose McGee. She's
1: also an author. What's the name of your book, Rose? Well, the book that you're familiar with uh, is Story Circle Stories. And it's a collection of stories where people actually do um, use the process of Story Circle. Yes. And working on a second book for that now. But there's also the book, Kumbaya, the Juneteenth Story, yes. which is a play about Juneteenth. And I'm excited to say that the Minnesota Historical Society Press is publishing my children's illustrated book sometime soon. They say, congratulations, said man, that's awesome. Yes, yeah, spring 2021, and uh-huh. it's 21 now. <laughs> so it should be coming out soon, and it's called can't nobody make a sweet potato pie like our mama. (laughs) And it's, it's a wonderful story about a set of twins and they are, you know, twins, but they bicker over everything except one thing. And that is their grandmother's sweet potato pie. Wow. And there are some, some, some lessons to be learned within the subtlety of how she handles them. Um, just to be good, loving human beings through this process. And it's a children's book. So there are just very few words and the illustrations being done by a wonderful uh, Minnesota author, actually, uh, Christopher Aaron Deans. Wow, that is awesome. I can't wait
0: to see the book and hear about it as it comes (laughs) out as well. Hey, Rose McGee, if people want to contact you again, give us your contact information again, please.
1: Yes, sweetpotatocomfortpie.org one word dot org. so you know org. be That's sure
0: that. to reach out absolutely and support rose mcgee and the effort uh rose and we talked about some tough stuff you want to have some fun now yeah all right we're gonna have some fun so this is the this is this segment of the show is called rapid fire so i'm gonna shoot off some purpose questions to you i'm not gonna follow up with any responses i'm just gonna give you uh the question And I want you to share your best response with our audience. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go, Rose. How have you turned your dream into reality?
1: Just taking it one step at a time, just doing it. Okay.
0: What gives your life meaning?
1: Being able to wake up every day and think of something beautiful. And right now, I think of my granddaughter, Bentley Rose, who just turned three. I love it, congratulations. If money wasn't an issue, what would you do with your time? Oh, I would be making pies all over the place, (laughs) big enough to serve and heal our community. Wow, I love it. What
0: word best describes you?
1: Hmm.
0: Free. Okay, Love it. What was your favorite thing to do as a kid?
1: Have company. (laughs) Okay. Entertain, like entertain, huh? (laughs) I was an only child, so raised as one anyway. So it was great having company. Okay. What do you wish you had more time to do? Oh, just travel because COVID has put a halt to that.
0: Absolutely. What does your 15-year-old self imagine you'd be doing now?
1: Hmm. Married to somebody with lots of children and teaching school. I love it. (laughs)
0: Continue with the teacher theme. If you had to teach someone something, what would you
1: teach them? Not to be anxious. Hmm. Just be, you know, be, be focused and, and, and move and work towards it, but don't get over anxious about it.
0: Who inspires you the most?
1: Oh, so many, but my grandmother and great-grandmother, I have to say the two of them. Awesome.
0: What is something about yourself that might surprise our listening audience to learn about you?
1: Hmm. I actually, I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I really am not a great cook. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a big surprise there. That's a big surprise, yes. <laughs> What's on your bucket list to do within the next year?
1: <clears throat> mm. Well, I have new knees. So I want to get on one of those little boards, what do they call them. They're kind of like skis, but they're not skis. It's a, it's, a, it's a water board that you get on and you stand on it. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. You know one. what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, you send me pictures when you
0: get out there and do that, all right? I want to see that. <laughs> it happened this summer, but it did. Okay, I, w- I want to see that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like your grandchildren to say about you?
1: She really did good. Okay.
0: If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be?
1: To bring peace and mm. calm. Mm. Love it. All over this world.
0: Wow. If I were to walk around your home, what clues would reveal to me about what it is that
1: you love? <laughs> mm. All of the pie dishes. I have <laughs> I have tons of <laughs> pie bowls, a whole
0: collection of them. <laughs> wow. I, I love it. I'm gonna get one next time I'm in Minnesota as well. <laughs> what would you go back to school for?
1: I would go back and get a, a doctorate just so that I could keep up with you.
0: <laughs> I'm honored.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I need it at this stage of life, but I thought about it even now I think about it, yeah. but.
0: Something possible to do. <laughs> what do you love to learn about?
1: I've gotten now really interested in food culture. Hmm. Yeah, that has changed over the years. If you'd asked me that 10 years ago, it would have been something different, but it's interesting the culture of food and how important it is for the survival and stability of of groups to be confident in who we are. I love it. What sparks your creativity? knowing that the outcome is going to be something pleasing to others and not just for me. I love it.
0: If you became president today, what law would you pass first?
1: Mm -hmm. Everybody would have equal access to housing, because there are too many people out here on the streets. Shouldn't have to be. So there'd be some way that everyone can be sheltered. I love it.
0: If you could follow someone around for a day, who would it be and why? (laughs) Uh
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, Can I tell you a story before I answer that? Absolutely. Okay. There was, uh, you know, I'm a Bush fellow. um, And one of the things I, I have this listing of people of who I'd really like to. And there were two people that I listed. One was Oprah and one was Warren Buffett. Okay. And lo and behold, I did get to spend the day with Warren Buffett's son. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and it was very interesting. I mean, it was just fabulous. He's, he's, he's he, he was very down to earth. He drove us around and it was just, he, he yeah. It was just very interesting. And um, then we were having lunch and I said, you know, I just came here, Mr. Buffett, to hang out with you as your father really wanted me. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, uh,
0: I appreciate yeah. your time, but it's not your dad who I really want to hang out with. It's
1: your dad who I really wanted to. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I love it.
1: And that's simply because, you know, it's not because of the money necessarily, but when I think of Mr. Buffett and how he spends his money. Sure. That, you know, it's one thing to be wealthy, but it's another thing on how you spend that money. And uh, that has been very fascinating to me for years and years I've watched him. Yes. And the same with Oprah to some extent. Um, She's done very well with how she spends her money. In, in, you know, what, whatever got her to that point. Awesome. But it's just amazing, um, you know. And these people are wealthy, of course. And the idea when you're a Bush fellow is to come out of this being a better leader for what it is that you do. Yes. And one of the things I've come to recognize is I'm not getting any giant grants because we haven't done it we're now starting to look at it it's just been a matter of volunteers wow so this volunteer thing does work yes and it's beautiful when people come together because they believe in what it is that you do and i just recently had a person write a check that i was not (laughs) and honestly because i know this person right Uh uh-huh and I, oh. I I, did, I come back, I said, was there a mistake? Um, did you maybe have more zeros than you planned? Because <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> I know you, you ain't got no money. And this person said, and then goes to show, we never know what people have. Mm-hmm. We do not know what people have. And I was not aware of any thing that had just happened with this individual recently. And it's a good thing I didn't know, I guess. And I said, I just wanted to be sure. And the person says, oh no, I've been watching you and you've been a friend for years and you've always been supportive of me for years because you know there have been times when i've had nothing wow and i believe in you wow and i but but when the person said i believe in you it just gave me chills wow and then came a request but can i have a pie
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't believe you, but i want a pie though yeah Yeah. And you, you know, you answered one of my, my my next question, my next question was, was the best compliment you ever received. So, you know, just having someone say you believe in, you can probably tops the list, you know, that's then not get too much better than that. Right. What's been the one thing you have never been afraid to do.
1: Um, well, (laughs) to try and make a dream come true. Hmm. I grew up in the rural south in the country and I was never short on imagination. Yes. And that's one thing that, you know, I used to be encouraged to do because I just had a creative spirit. Sure. So, I would say I've never been short on on that. I haven't always um the, the frustration about, and, and this is one thing I want to leave with with your audience, and that's what I mean by don't get over anxious. But you don't realize that until you hit a certain point in life. But the earlier you can realize that, the better. When things don't go just the way you expect them to go when they're going, doesn't mean that it's over. Yeah, it ain't over necessarily. Yes, at the time frame that <clears throat> you think so. And everything that I have done over the years, I've been able to channel that knowledge yes. into something or the other that I tend to do, and at the time it didn't seem like. It. And that's why I think um, people are so shocked, as I am too, over the fact that I'm doing this. But I can remember doing some interviews. You know, you're talking, you spoken there nationally, interviewing people all over the world and everywhere else. And I can remember one person, one of the reporters saying. My goodness, you're so good at communicating. Yes. And I said, Well, thank you. Maybe it's those years way back yonder when (laughs) I was taking some acting lessons, and way back yonder when I was doing this, and you know, and all of those things. And and that's what happened when I was fighting for my home. They were always pulling me to be the one to be in front of the microphone and talk because I could tell the story. Yes. And they said, you'd be amazed at the people who cannot tell their story. Wow. And so these skills that we acquire over here, I look at our mayor of St. Paul, St. Uh, Melvin Carter the um, third. He was a storyteller growing up, but he was also a runner. He yeah. was a track star. Wow. So all of these things, you know, and, and if you ever hear him speak, you know, he's just got the gift to, to, yes. to put it out there. And so we never know what we're being prepared to do in the long run yes. as we go along our journey. And it's yes. important that we pay attention. So when I talk to children and young people, especially, I tell them, you may be hearing this urge to to, to, to do this over here and do that over there. Pay attention to that. But if you're not quite sure on what to do about it, don't worry about it. Just Remember, and then when it comes back to you, maybe five years from now, oh, I was supposed to write that story. Yes. Didn't I hear that before?
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, that, that, that is some great advice. Um, I have one more final question before um, we're going to wrap things up here, though, uh, Rose. What or how do you want to be remembered in history?
1: Well, um, I think it's beautiful when you're known for walking your talk. Yes. And I don't like being two-faced. I don't want to, you know, be thinking one thing and and I don't want to be over here with one group saying one thing and over here. No, I want to be consistent. Yes. Oftentimes I'll talk to people and I'll say, I'm going to say this to you because I want to be honest. This yes. is what I feel. I don't want you to hear from somebody else that what Rose said. So I want to be um, known for being honest. I've certainly had to grow into that because there, there certainly been times in my life when I haven't known how to be that. Yeah. Um, and I always use this story. I can remember when I was in first grade or second grade and I took Lois Jean Reed's uh, notepaper <laughs> oh she's telling herself now oh no jean reads notepaper looks so much prettier than my note <laughs> and i want to know why is her notepaper my notepaper is all crumbly looking hers is so smooth and it would be years later before i realized well jean we rarely wrote <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was beautiful and everything was perfect but she she just kind of carried her notebook and there was that But yet one time when uh, we had recess, I remember taking some of her notebook paper and she came back and she told somebody took my paper and I couldn't lie, all right, I took it. (laughs) Well, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. I don't know, hers is prettier than mine. How (laughs) dumb is that? But yet. (laughs) But well, this you is those some good
0: life lessons, though, as well, though, you know. The, oh, very. Thing, being this- honest is, um, and transparent is I, I watch you a lot and you're very honest and transparent with people as well. So, Rose, if we going to really wrap things up here. Um, the purpose of our podcast is to really get people to focus on resiliency and purpose. What are your last uh, thoughts you can share with the audience on resiliency and purpose? Because I really appreciate you sharing your story and your story definitely exemplifies both of those. So what, what last piece of advice would you give audience around resiliency and purpose?
1: For me, it hasn't been, it, it, it ain't been easy. And that's a, a thing too. Sometimes people think, oh, they see you in front <clears throat> of a camera or they see your photograph in a magazine um, and gracing the cover of a magazine once by the way. Yes. But the work, and the energy that went into that um, making those pies all night long, my daughter and son would run away from me because uh, I'd come home from work all day and then I'd go bake all night, but then I needed them to take the pies down to the farmer's market so that they'd be there at six o'clock when I get there because the pies had to be there at five o'clock and that would just work their nerves. So here now, what I think about the aches and pains physically of being up all night and working, and I still do that. Because if you're trying to stay on top of whatever it is that you're trying to stay on top of, it takes more than just, well, for some of us, I don't know, maybe some people don't have to. But I guess my point is, if you believe that what you're doing is what needs to be done, You just make the sacrifices and do it. Yes. And you may not necessarily have the people. This is the hard part here. You may not have the people with you who you think should be with you. Yes. But as long as people are coming and they are good people and you can see that and they believe in you and you believe that what they're bringing is the right energy, go with that. Yes. Um, when I looked around, Tommy, I'll tell you the truth. There were moments, but this is where you gotta let go of that. There were moments when I'm like, well, why why isn't my so-and-so here? Why aren't yeah. the so-and-so's here? And what didn't <clears throat> matter about that. Yeah. What was important was who was there. That's right. And that's not who how wasn't the
0: there, it. but who was there? Who's in
1: your corner, right? Who's there that. Yeah. at that time? Because those same people who are there right now may not be the ones who are gonna be there tomorrow, but they're there because There were five, I think, different organizations that were with me at different stages of the process of fighting for my home. Yeah. Because it took those different things. And let's face it, we get tired. People get tired and they're like, oh, we're still on that? Oh, it's time to go. Yeah. But you've got to hang in there with your stuff. It doesn't mean that you don't take a break sometimes. By all means do. Yes. Because you're no good to anybody if you're worn out. But seriously, um, do not get upset when the ones that you think should be there are not. It may hurt a little bit, but just keep on. And they'll catch up or they'll step in when it's time. And you just say, all right, come on, baby, that's all right. uh, And just be all right with that. And that's something, that's when I believe the Lord is working with you to change you. because. One of the things uh, I wanna go back to this Bush application because it, it really did work, work with me there. I ask for four or five different things, but one of them was to be able to figure out how to be more patient. Hmm. Because when we look around with all of this mess around us, it doesn't mean that you're complacent But it does mean that you have to understand what patience is and how you respond and how to be gracious towards certain things or extend grace.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, Rose McGee, I I can't
0: thank you enough for coming on, sharing your amazing story. It's been very inspiring, very encouraging. Folks, if you're not inspired and encouraged after this, I don't know what's wrong with you, though. But again, reach out to Rose McGee, Rose McGee, Sweet Potato Pie, uh, Sweet Potato Comfort Pie.
1: Can you give us your contact information one more time, Rose? Sweet Potato Comfort Pie, not pies, because <laughs> some people will put pies and go, I can't find you. Well, yes. no S, SweetPotatoComfortPie, um, dot org. It's the best way to find me. Awesome, thanks again. So folks, if you were
0: somebody out there who has an amazing story of overcoming uh, we want to hear from you. Please go to T.A. Share your story with us. Uh, also, subscribe to our podcast, Resilient Stories. Download this episode. Rate it. Share it with your folks. And we're always looking for sponsors. If you want to be a sponsor, reach out to us as well. Folks, thank you guys for joining in with us today. We appreciate you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace and deuce. Yours truly, Dr. Watson.